When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And welcome to the Smackdown Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of Smackdown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Smackdown, but also Raw, the show formerly known as NXT Dubai. Oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Sidgwick to review Friday night SmackDown. Michael Hamlet enjoying a well-earned day off. <laughs> uh, this is a nice change, having you touch out about SmackDown. What do you make of uh, the alternative to Monday Night Raw? Well, I'll tell you what, there's some good, bad, and ugly in here, but... <laughs> Contrary to most WWE podcasts of which I'm a part, I was actually looking forward to unpacking this and giving my thoughts on it. Mm. I mean, we sit here every Tuesday morning, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> what could I possibly say about this bland filler, five minutes on extra, on every match extra that doesn't need it, just to fill out the bloody time? Nothing's going on. How bland. There's some stuff here I'm really looking forward yeah. to putting over, putting under, and just generally unpacking and trying to get my head around. It is such a surreal experience for me on a Monday because often I'll watch SmackDown Saturday, Sunday, and generally have a quite a good time watching it. And I come in here and we rave about it, and then you and I talk about Rampage, which we'll be doing a little bit later on. And then I have to switch gears and nothing for Raw. Nothing. He's given up a long, long time ago. It's such a weird dynamic though because I know it's no longer the flagship Smackdown obviously is but you'd think it, the roles would be reversed you'd think for the big Smackdown show they'd announce a couple of things you know if Roman Reigns is going to be on the show or Ronda Rousey's doing something you chuck that out there that's going to get a load of eyes blah 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 and then Raw just by the mere fact that it's an hour longer well they'll have loads of stuff planned for this so they'll announce a fair few things and <laughs> Coming on a Monday, you know, compared to a, fr- a Friday where I'm like, right, we've got, I know we've got this and this title match and this development in this storyline, and I'm going, boys, have you forgotten you've got a wrestling yeah. show on a Monday night? It's so surreal. Um, we'll look forward to the Raw preview later. <laughs> yeah, indeed. We'll, we'll find something to yeah, talk about, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. We'll play some games or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I might just give you a quiz. Ooh. I might do something, because I kind of <laughs> talk about it earnestly. I uh, know, we've, we've got to get to that mid-roll end yeah. one way or another. Uh, right, let's uh, start with this SmackDown episode, though. Uh, highly anticipated one, of course, because of the dynamic with Kevin Owens, Bloodline, Sami Zayn, etc., etc. We'll get to that later. The show opened with the Battle of the Monsters, effectively. Uh, it was Gunther versus Braun Strowman for the Intercontinental Championship. This has been building for a while, obviously. You've had uh, excellent matches between the likes of, obviously, Gunther and Sheamus and Ricochet a while back. Um, but Braun Strowman's always been sort of building up in the background and, and seemed like a genuine th- threat for Gunther, which I suppose he still is, uh, despite what happened in the match here. They uh, recapped at the start of the show uh, the Imperium attacks on Braun Strowman, which would play a part, obviously. They uh, injured his arm, and that was going to be something that Gunther targeted throughout this match. Um they pointed out Strowman wearing some like custom boots to start this 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 match, and a, a harrowing story uh, about uh, a poor lad who got killed in a Christmas parade attack uh, in November of uh, 2021, I believe, and the, 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 the fact these boots are going on auction. And now there's a bit of me watching this, thinking, how on earth can he lose this match now when you have this amazing feel good story about? The, the, the reason why he's resting in these boots. But he still lost um, because, well, the, the arm obviously factored into it. Uh, they thankfully balanced out 
the way that Gunther is scared of Braun Strowman. I think a lot of people threw up their arms when that first happened and he ran away. I was one of them. I was one of them. Um, but it, it, it was, you know, it's not complete terror at Braun Strowman. I think it's just finally realized that someone who can actually eat a chop or two of his without having their chest sort of implode. Um, so Gunther early on doesn't really even want to throw hands with this guy. Um avoids him, tries to go after the injured arm, but Strowman just chucks him over the top rope uh, and then rocks him with that choo-choo shoulder tackle to send him over the commentary table initially for the break. When we come back, though, Gunther's taken over. He's targeting that arm, uh, and every time Strowman tries to fight back, he contorts it or he just punches it or does whatever. Um, Strowman fights back, though, eats a chop, then nails him with this huge clothesline. They weren't holding back these two. Hits him with a back body drop. Um, Gunther takes the referee, though, and Imperium, who Gunther had sent to the back because he wanted to fight this one-on-one, obviously immediately come out, attack Braun Strowman. He fights them off, but that allows Gunther again to take advantage. Um, but just before the next break, Strowman fought back and power-slammed Gunther for a nice near fall. Um, we come back. They're trading chops. Strowman hits a big spine buster for a nice two count, and the fans are really into this. Again, completely different to Monday Night Raw. Um, he goes for the monster bomb. Gunther gets out of it. He hits Strowman with a big clothesline, goes up top, hits that top rope splash of his that just looks amazing because of the size of him coming off the top rope. That gets him a two count. Uh, he goes up top for a second one. Strowman catches him up there, um, but as he's trying to do something huge off the top rope. Uh, Gunther manages to hit him with a chop, slip out, powerbomb Strowman, because um, Strowman was stood on the middle rope. Hoi him up, powerbomb, one, two, three. Gunther retains the Intercontinental Championship. I'm going to get one criticism out of the way first um, before I generally praise what I thought was a not a triumph, but certainly an absolutely monumental over-delivery of a match. Um... I need to get off Twitter. In, in general. <laughs> yes. In general, because, God, that is weekend. What's the point? I sense we'll be talking a little bit about this on the Rampage yeah, review. I'm going to try well. not to do it too long, to be honest. But I'll, we'll kind of have to, I guess, touch on it. Um, I don't know. Do we? We'll see. Yeah. Um, I heard raves about this match, and then I watched it. Oh. And, you know, the heat was there. But relative to most WWE matches, it was there. It didn't feel, certainly by the finish, this really white-hot thing where everyone was losing their minds for. It was loud, dot, 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 by WWE standards. I don't know if it was because the top row powerbomb didn't look particularly mm. great, but I thought I heard about, like, 14, 15 people chant along with a one, two, three. It didn't feel like this epic conclusion. So I'm like, have I just watch something great or something I was told I was great or what because that finish just didn't get this really emphatic crowd response but regardless of the levels of heat generated by a standard WWE match the actual work here was really quite tremendous at yeah. times like it, it was a really refined I never thought I would say this about Braun Strowman to be perfectly honest but it was a pretty refined story that they told they executed it very well it was patient it was very wwe mm. but in a good way that's not necessarily a horrendous thing even though i myself might be guilty of just assuming the worst or or it's boring or they take their time to patronizing to patronize fans who they don't think and understand the stories unless they take ages to get there i thought the use of space here was really really impressive it allowed certain things like that awesome spot where strowman's got the arm and it's getting worked on, and he uses his strength. And it used to annoy me when certain wrestlers, John Cena, used to power <laughs> out of a submission in such a way, because I, like, I just completely no-sold the work that's being done here for this pretty lame superhero stuff that I, as an adult, have long since yeah. passed by. But it's well within Strowman's character. He yeah. is a strong man. He is capable of these absolutely stupendous feats of strength that should feel more gimmicked than they do. But he's a strong man. Mm -hmm. That's his character. Um, he's been one in the past. It's, I was all too prepared to believe it. And he timed it. The struggle was great. He sold it. He registered it. And it really meant something when he eventually counted that move. I also really liked as well uh, the Gunther flying off the top rope. Oh. Just getting the two. Because that's his match ender. That is the thing that he usually resorts to um, when his strikes somehow don't work. Mm -hmm. Or when his power game somehow deserts him. He only leaps off the top rope and takes what is a risk to him, 
when it is in fact a risk and he's really preserved that one. So to give it to Strowman here was, again, I talk relentlessly about giving people things in defeat, getting over in defeat. I thought so much more of Strowman after the fact mm. in this match than I would have worried to have just been distracted by Imperium for argument, yeah. argument's sake and then lost. Like I thought this did wonders for both men and given the fact that Strowman's usually as thick as a brick, <laughs> uh, I thought this was a really genuinely elegant performance from yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. I, I would never have uh, expected people to be doing backflips about this on Twitter. I thought this was a really enjoyable match, but I'm never going to watch it again. So I, I, it's baffling that people were, yeah, being, but then again, like you say, sometimes people just see anything good and go, well, oh, it's the best. Yeah, 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 I'm prone to it myself. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought this match had everything. Like you say, the potential for a rematch down the line. They've not done everything that they could do. Uh, and obviously, uh, like you say, Braun has been completely protected in defeat because you go, well, he kind of went, took him to his limit. Yeah. That's all shame and losing. Yeah, and if he if he's got this injured arm, like you say, I expected there to be more shenanigans in the finish. I know obviously Imperium got involved. Like I watch Premier League teams get beat every single weekend, and I don't necessarily think, oh, they're rubbish. Yeah. They just lost narrowly in this really cool competitive game, and I don't think they're gonna necessarily lose next week because they've <gasps> shockingly lost. This is what happens in sport every single weekend in every single sport. Teams lose, individuals lose. Like it's about time that WWE and they've been better with it under the Papa H <laughs> era. But for God's sake, like this does this is so much more effective in preserving the aura of a star if they just get beat by someone that bit better. It really is a, a sort of sliding doors moment, isn't it? If, and I know it could very well change in the coming days, weeks, months, etc. Days, uh, but I think Gunther's been a complete revelation on the main roster compared to. I mean, the only glimpse I've had of Gunther under Vince McMahon was his appearance in that Survivor Series where he got outshot by Drew and then first-person eliminated. So. Didn't you do some Uncle Sam stuff as well? Maybe. But, yeah, uh, love this. And, yeah, in terms of, like, if you'd have said to me, yeah, this time last year, Gunther's going to fight a high flyer, mm, uh, a guy in his, I know it's not, hometown, and Braun Strowman... You think he's still a champion after those three matches? Yeah. No chance. So, yeah, and, uh, well, we're getting back to the Gunther's plans going forward, which is um, a complete hypocrite because I was like, you should have an IC title match and a US title match on the Royal Rumble premium live event. And yet, later on, when he announced himself, I was like, get in! Yeah. Because that's obviously going to hopefully build something for WrestleMania, possibly around that IC title. Anyway, back on SmackDown. Sammy, uh, who always gets a huge reaction, even if he's just walking backstage, goes and knocks on the Bloodline's door. Paul Heyman answers, and Sammy's like, I'm just going to you know, pop and have a few quiet words with my tribal chief uh, before my match with Kevin Owens later. Paul Heyman's like, no one else is here, mate. Roman's not here. Usos aren't here. Solo Sokoa isn't here. Um, Heyman said, look, I was expecting tribal chief to say, yep, yeah, sick, Sokoa and, and the Usos on Kevin Owens and beat him up for the Tribal Chief because he's got the match at the premium live event in two weeks, blah, blah, blah. But uh, Roman wants to show Sammy some love by letting him do it all on his own. And uh, Sammy says, can you do me a favour, Paul? Can you get in contact with Roman and say, you made the right call. I'm going to solve this problem tonight. That's not a prediction. That's a spoiler. And he walks off and... Heyman smiles, and the moment Sammy's not looking at him, his face drops. But um, I just watch the telly. Carry yeah, on. I like the way that uh, I like the way that this completely set things up for later on. Like, hey, I'm not going to have anyone get involved. I trust you to beat Kevin Owens. A few hours later, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? I don't care what's happening in the match. Go in and kill Kevin Owens with five minutes to go. Um, look, I love the dynamic between Heyman and and Sammy Zayn. It's my favorite storyline going on right now, so I'm not really going to have any complaints there, despite the fact that, yes, I with this especially, I go, uh, probably Sammy won't watch the show back because uh, he'll just um, be busy with other things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Sammy and... You, I like the fact that Paul Heyman's warming to Sammy, which is going to make it even more brutal when they go, you're out of the bloodline. Yeah. And, yeah, I think it's just... It's great, this... Um, 
Rey Mysterio, he came back uh, to a nice reaction, comes down to the ring uh, and talks about how uh, he's been off, well, he, he's been enjoying the holidays, or normally he would be, they're normally exciting and special, um, but he couldn't really cherish his family time this Christmas, wasn't very merry because of uh, Dominic and Mammy. Um, talks about Dom pretending to be a hardened criminal, says it breaks his heart. Uh, as a father, but as a man, he's fed up with this. Ooh, Ooh Ray. and this isn't like you. <laughs> Said uh, uh, SmackDown, you know, moving to SmackDown and getting away from his seed. Uh, <laughs> it was meant to be a fresh, yeah, I don't know. meant to be a fresh start for him. Uh, he's not going to be provoked by Dom, um, and so he's going to enter the Royal Rumble and get back on track. And this brings out Carrion Cross, who's been. I'm sure if you've noticed, very subtly hinting towards Rey Mysterio by putting masks on people and covering them in cards with Rey Mysterio's face on it. He comes out and he says, uh, you know, well, fair play to you to just getting out of bed at your age. And uh, he said, hey, Royal Rumble, anything can happen. You won it 17 years ago, which made me feel very old. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, you know, that's, that was fair. Well done, you. Said, Dad, that must have been such a special moment for you and for Dominic. Although, of course, you wouldn't know if it was special for Dominic or not because you weren't there for him. You were there. Uh, and he says, Who do you hate, or what do you hate more? Your son for not growing up right or yourself for not raising him right? And that's enough for Ray's had enough. He attacks him, drops him, puts him in position for a 619. Goes for it, but Scarlett, who's outside the ring, trips him, distracts him. And by the time Ray turns around to attack Karrion Cross or try and hit him with a 619, he's locked in the cross jacket and gets the life choked out of him. And the lights go red and there's a card stuff. i got to say, I do quite like this Karrion Cross thing right now. Uh, having not been a fan of all the weird 50-50 Drew bollocks, yeah. I like him just... Like, Ray's, I, like, I'm not going to concentrate on my son. I'm just going to concentrate on the Royal Rumble. Oh, and this guy's trying to kill me now as well. I'm glad that you like it, Wilborn. <laughs> and I've been patronising here because I don't think anybody else does. <laughs> my prevailing take, having watched this segment, was that no one gives a toss about Cross. <laughs> that could be his, uh, that could be, uh, Babyface can have that if they want it. Yeah. If, especially if they're in the UK. Maybe Nathan Fraser <laughs> could say that when he's over here. My God, it was kind of crickets when he was doing his stuff. You'd think that with how beloved Rey Mysterio is, and he's one of those where it's like, he's longevity as such, but he's like the anti-Ziggler Miz type, where mm. it's like everyone still loves Rey Mysterio. Uh, Rey Mysterio's got this enduring, timeless appeal, and it's impossible not to like him other than 2014. And still, it should be sh uh, shooting fish in a barrel mm. to get some noise out of about 8,000 people <laughs> when you are burying Rey Mysterio. And saying one of the worst things you can say about a father and saying you're not good enough to raise a child and you don't care enough. Like, that's, at the very least, if people cared about this character, there should be some performative panel like, ah, don't say that, yeah. boo. Now, this was so, the silence was abject. Again, we talk about these dead crowds. And, you know, they weren't, they were alive by WWE standards. Oh, yeah. But, my God, they do not care about this guy at all. Like, they just do not care. And I don't think they ever have since he's arrived. Mm. And, again, you know, maybe that's got a lot to do with the fact that he was, oh, that guy in the helmet. Yes. A guy who looks like an actual shoot gimp. That guy <laughs> who lost to Jeff Hardy. Like, if you're not in the weeds and you don't, oh, you know, there's, Potentially a power struggle between Triple H and Vince McMahon. And that's why it looks like a gimp. And that's why this is Jeff Hardy. If you don't read this kind of thing, you just go to the show and you're just there to, you know, take who you want to take as a star and all the rest of it and who comes off as a star. Maybe the booking has killed him. And oh, yeah. And he can just never come back. And maybe, you know, if he can't even be Drew, despite the fact that was meant to be his big statement win and it's a huge back. mistake all that it was, it was, it was just ridiculous just have him win the strap match if you have to do the shenanigans that they did with that certainly don't let Drew win the follow up yeah no if it's go if he's going to lose not cleanly that's fine that's the reason why you do these terrible finishes is so that you tell the audience alright okay he's won but don't think that much of that guy he was screwed out of it I mean I think that's antiquated to begin with but 
Yeah, he lost. The, he just lost the cage match. It was a 50-50 bunch of nothing. And why? Because Drew's gone off, and I don't know if that was the plan all along, but Drew going off and do tag team stuff almost wipes his slate clean, doesn't it? No one well, goes, well, why would It's you? like it never happened. It, that program might as well have never happened. Yeah. And that's a big WWE problem, regardless of who's in charge. So I just think these fans see Karrion Cross as like, oh, okay, he came on the scene, he promised to do massive things, he's done nothing, and everything he has done has been undone. Who cares? Mm. Who cares? And it's sort of a weird thing for me as well, because whilst I want him to really make a statement with this Ray feud, I also want Ray to have something about him for when he eventually snaps and goes... I'm going to have to beat my own son at WrestleMania. That's the more important thing. I think Cross is there on TV to... Is that buyer's remorse with him? He's certainly there to facilitate other developments and not be a star unto himself. <laughs> if there is buyer's remorse, I think it's one of those things where he needs to stand quite close to hit row backstage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, I've not had <laughs> much buyer's remorse all of a sudden because... It could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse. Uh, right, we're in the locker room with Maxine Dupree. Uh, and Emma, they're there with Liv Morgan talking about the Royal Rumble, uh, and they're like, you sure it's a good idea to enter the Royal Rumble at number one? Has she volunteered to do this? I missed SmackDown last yes, week. Yes, she said in a little vignette, uh, she wants to enter the Royal Rumble, and she's so bloody bonkers, she'll fight from number one. So it's not, like, I look on Wikipedia, and it's not saying yeah. enter at number one, but she's in the Royal Rumble, and they've made noises that she's going to be from number one, because she's... She's just extreme, as we'd see later on in a baffling decision mid-match. Um, so, yeah, they're like, you don't stand a chance. And lovely Raquel Rodriguez walks in and says, well, she, doesn't, she should stand some chance. But I will admit that it is like quite a nice babyface. It is a little bit stupid to enter the but Like, if you were going to enter it, Sitch, I'd be like, maybe not number one, maybe like ten. If you, want, if you want to prove a point, enter it. That's 10. the thing. If you're number one, your fight is number one. You don't necessarily want it, but by golly, you're a baby face and you're going to do it. You don't, don't say, can I be number one, please? Yeah. Just a moron. Um, and live. You don't ask for number 30. In fact, you don't ask for anything. No. You just take it and play it fairly from there. Bring back the tumbler. That's what I want to see. You know what? It's not quite SmackDown fist off this. <laughs> Because the SmackDown first, as I've said one million times, is not sentient. Can't book. Didn't ever book the show, in fact. Really? It never was sentient. It's just a prop. The Tumblr is something cool. I quite like that. I love that. Oh, I obviously always just think There's a sense it. of occasion. I love the Guerrero flair thing. That's what my mind always goes back to, that. So, yeah, I'm maybe a little bit more biased towards it. Uh, but, yeah, Rodriguez is like, hey, maybe not number one. Maybe 30, because you look at me and look at you at the end of the day. And Liv Morgan's not happy with this. And she's like, well... Do you know what? I had a palm reading today, and you know what it said? She slaps the taste out of Raquel's mouth, and they get into it, and they set up a match later. I was <laughs> debating internally how far I was going to go in my assessment of this character in this segment. First of all, the dialogue, absolutely atrocious. Like, for God's sake. It's, this is as bad as anything you would have got under Vince. Or you might get under Vince as of today, who knows, or mm. next week or when it inevitably happens. The dialogue was terrible. The invisible camera was there. It just felt anything like four people were having an organic conversation like they would backstage. Mm. Horrific scripting, horrific delivery. And uh, look, I wouldn't tweet this because she's got, you know... An army of oh, yeah. very ardent and loyal followers. That's a political... Very uh, well put, yeah. Euphemistic way of saying stepped it. On a few Diplomatic, that's the word I'm you've looking for. stepped over the crocodiles there. My God, I find Liv Morgan to be the least likable person in wrestling, I think. I don't know if this gimmick's working for a world I don't think any it. gimmick works for her, if I'm being perfectly honest. She's got this quality... And again, I can't tell if it's the scripting or the way she's being directed and because so many of these people underneath the top five, or just walking props. You can never tell. Like, maybe she could leave, jump to AEW, and just become the most likable baby face. Certainly her ring work suggests that she knows a certain way of putting that role across. She didn't get to where she is by being this really unlikable, untalented wrestler. I've seen enough baby face fire out of her. Um, I've seen the way she can work a match. I know, I think she can be a baby face in the ring. Oh, a hell of a reaction when she cashed in money in the bank. It's a bit of a cheat. Oh, anyone, I'd get a reaction. <laughs> hey, it's a title change. Who's that? Doesn't matter. I'm going to see history. Right. 
I find this so unlikable, and I don't know what it is. It's just this, uh, this intangible quality, the look in her face, the deadpan, sarcastic delivery. When she she's smarmy, mm. very. I think I don't know why they see this as a baby face quality. I'll be really detestable. Is in <laughs> that's it. Your direction is. What's my motivation? Are oh, you very detestable and smug and smarmy? And it's written all over your face when you go, hmm. Mm. Right. Again, I have to be delicate here. Right. I love my son so much. And every parent will tell you that parenting is a challenge. And you have to, kids will push boundaries. They will do things that you don't want them to do. And it's your job to tell them, ah, don't do that. Mm don't do that, or you need to behave in this sort of way, or don't be cheeky, it's just kids are just like this naturally. James has learned the smarmy phase, where if, and again, he's testing boundaries and seeing what he can get away with, this is all completely natural behavior of a child, but just this thing where he'll be cheeky, and he'll just grab the switch off the dock, Say, right, James, you've been a bit cheeky. Um, I'm not letting you watch this on television. Go and read a book or, you know, have a timeout or something. Turn the telly off. Just picks up the switch out of the dock. And I'll say something to the effect of, well, James, if you can't watch the telly, obviously I don't want you to go on the switch. I want you to have a little punishment. No, I think I'll go on the switch. Oh, uh, excuse me, James? <laughs> I'm breaking it over my knee. And that's Liv Morgan. She's a seven-year-old child trying to push boundaries. Mm, I think I'll slap you in the face. Mm-hmm. Why is this a babyface characteristic? Why am I meant to be getting behind her? What is this character? Jumped up little shit. <laughs> That's like she's a little brat. She's a brat. Do you not get do you I know you do you feel this? Do you think she's a brat? The way she gans on. I'm not rooting her for the to win the Royal Rumble, I'll say that. Yeah, very diplomatic of you, Wilborn. Yeah. She's a brat. Her character is a little brat, and I just don't understand why I'm expected to like her. Oh my God, she gets... Maybe, you know what? Getting the tables. That's the easiest gimmick to get over. People well, love tables. Yeah, yeah, but, well, what we'll table? To, we'll get you in the match. A, I don't think it helped either on the same night. I mean, granted, I watched... Not enough people talk about how detestable this character is, by the way. But I don't think it helped that on the night they were like, whoa. I mean, she's been doing this for a while now, but like this extreme character. I don't think it helped that someone she used to be in a stable with took it. Showed you what extreme yeah, yeah, really yeah. actually looks like. But anyway... Uh, and also, during the match with Raquel, they did something else that I thought completely sandbagged her, but we'll, we'll get to that in due course. They're having a nightmare with her. They're having. I feel sorry for her at times. Like, wh- what are they telling her to do? Like, it's ridiculous. It's clear that they just had no plans for her following the title loss to, to Ronda, and even prior to that. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's, it, it's an abomination, the creative. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. 
then we got Tegan Knox versus Zia Lee, which was a brief but quite hard-hitting uh, match between the two of them. Obviously, great to see Tegan Knox back in a WWE ring. Uh, dominated early on. Zia Lee, thankfully, doesn't shoot electricity out of her hands anymore either. Um, she Christ. just... She just dragged her off the top rope by the hair and then sort of hit her like a chop to the throat, it seemed, uh, that had Tegan Knox all shaken up. Um, there's a spike elbow in the corner from Zia Lee. Uh, she hits an exploded suplex, sets up for that tornado kick of hers, but when she misses that, Knox jumps straight back up and lands that shiniest wizard finisher of hers to get the one, two, three. Look, I can't say this is blow away great. I will commend them for really trying to do something in the short time they'd been allocated. And these are the things you have to do. You can't just bring someone back who about 612,000 people watched because they watch and consume anything mm. and bring them back on main roster TV with no prior introduction. Because again, I've made this point a million times. I will make it one more time. WWE fans care and invest less in WWE NXT than like AEW fans doing ROH in New Japan in the Indies. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, a yeah, far yeah. more uh, committed, I guess might be the word, loyal, hardcore, um, adventurous fandom where they're just deeper in the weeds of wrestling and they're aware of things and they're more just in the know. WWE fans, I don't blame them for just liking their WWE and that's what they like, but that's a reality and Triple H should be booking accordingly to them. And I, I don't I just don't want to appear like a hypocrite here. Because I'll say, all right, okay, just have Bandido come out. Don't really need that much explanation. The guy can get over in two minutes, and he did. And you know what? A large majority of the audience is familiar with them anyway. And again, it's not for me to say whether you're going to delight 900,000 people watching or if you should be trying to do some weird things that are going to get 1.5 million or whatever. That's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So why don't you just super serve your existing fan base that you've done a phenomenal job of amassing in the first place. But the, the reality is that doing the Tony Khan return slash debut slash push doesn't work for this WWE audience. Right. And it's about time they realized this because it just isn't. This match was heatless. Most matches are heatless. And what I don't know what else he can do at this point other than have the talent debut don't have them overstay their wel welcome by working a 16-minute match when there's no point, which God knows I would criticize them for as well. I have no complaints about the segment. It's no. kind of bland and heatless as it was. You have to do these things. Eventually, surely, they will cotton on to it. Yeah. A, a very inoffensive but necessary building block to get a character over. Exactly. I have... I love Tegan Knox, but she ain't winning the Royal Rumble. She is effectively this year going to be a warm body in there to hang around for 10 minutes, do some decent wrestling, uh, and then get chucked out by someone else. I'm not saying she'll never win a Royal Rumble, but she's not going to win this year's. But as an establishing way of being like, look, Tegan Knox, one-on-one's very good. I feel a bit sorry for Zia Lee. Uh, but yeah, uh, she'll be in there to do some babyface stuff. Potentially with the likes of, you know, Candice versus Damage Kataral, etc. So, yeah, this was a fine establishing thing for her. Uh, then they recap what happened uh, after the show last week where the Viking Raiders slid in and attacked Drew McIntyre and Sheamus post-match. And we get a video promo from the Raiders and Valhalla. Uh, she says the gods speak to her and the Raiders obey. And Valhalla has seen two fallen warriors, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, suffering awaits. Cool. <laughs> And then McIntyre and Sheamus are in Postman Pierce's office, uh, and they do the gimmick where they keep hitting each other. Come on, and, uh, it's, we're all mates, but you're actually quite hurting me, and Pierce is suffering it all as well. Um, are they going to have a match at Mania? Maybe. Might as well. Might as well. Um, I'd be unless, unless Sheamus runs it back with Gunther if everything else goes yeah. wrong. Fine with that as well. McIntyre wants to go after the Viking Raiders. Sheamus is like, no, no, we have to go back after the Usos. I still want our title shot because we got screwed out of it last week. And Pierce announces a tag team title tournament starting next week, which coincidentally, first round match is McIntyre and Sheamus versus the Viking Raiders. They're going to have another banger after banger after banger. I'm quite looking forward to that. McIntyre and Sheamus versus the Viking Raiders. I'm not a huge fan of all the Valhalla bollocks. Yeah, the Valhalla bollocks is in fact bollocks, but the best version of this match on paper is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, speaking of bollocks, Bray Wyatt. Uh, oh, God. Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. I love Bray Wyatt because I saved a good five minutes as part of this entrance. So, and when Roman Reigns isn't on SmackDown, I've got to find a way to catch the time. <laughs> it's nearly time for match of the day, mate. I wanted to see Isaac score. So, I've got to, I've got to, 
let's get this along. Um, I, I, I'm re- really happy it's you talking about SmackDown this week because I want to know. We haven't really. Chanced- he sucks. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I wanted to know your thoughts on Bray Wyatt. Oh, there we have it. Um, now I'm talking about Hamlet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's the rocking chair there. Bray Wyatt comes up. Right. I'll say what happened and then I'll get your thoughts on it because I got I had a certain takeaway from this and I don't know if you got the same thing from me. So he comes down, rocking chair, spotlight, says, uh, Green Bay, we're here. Um, talks about people forgetting who they are, but all it takes is a push in the right direction. And now Wyatt remembers everything that he lost. He is the eater of worlds. He is Uncle Howdy. He is What? Him. He is him. He did that. He is Bray. Is he staying Carmelo here's his gimmick now? He is Bray Wyatt. Uh, and he said, the Royal Rumble will be my rebirth, alliteration. So, I hear you're a fan of that. <laughs> and uh, warns L.A. Yeah. Uh, that when the lights go off, he should run because they've got the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match coming your way in a couple of weeks. Cannot wait. This felt like, to me... Like almost Bray Wyatt hitting the reset button. I thought the whole point previously oh, God, was no I've knows. got rid of all these other characters. These are the versions of myself. A bit like a bit like you did with the fiend of like they're all dead. This is me now. It felt like nah. This is the raw version of Bray Wyatt. But I've got this bloody pesky Uncle Howdy. He's always been there, but never been mentioned before. <laughs> but now I don't know. What did you get from this? I just thought it was a complete load of bollocks. That's <laughs> what I got from it. It's too big, hairy. <laughs> Balls. That's what this was. My God. Let's uh, go down the line. Bray Wyatt returns at Extreme Rules, flanked by in, like Fisher Price versions of like knockoff toy versions of his previous characters. And then he says later, "I know you want the freak, man. <laughs> oh man." I know you want the fiend, but I don't want to be that guy anymore, man. So he's not the fiend, except he kind of is the fiend. Then Uncle Howdy is like, be evil. He's like, no, man, I want to be good. No, you, 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 you will give in to me. I'm just the ghost of the man who sold the world, of course. So the idea was, I think at the time, that Uncle Howdy was like the manifestation of the inner torment that makes Bray Wyatt be a monster. I don't want to be the monster, man. Well, I am the monster, and he'll be the monster. Okay, man, I don't know anymore. And then... I said at the time, it felt like a psychotic episode from Bray Wyatt, if I was being very kind. And it's a very naff visual illustration of Howdy's the inner demon. That yeah, was the crime. You know when you have a psychotic episode and film videos for yourself? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, you call that a career at what culture? Ew! <laughs> Ow! So, like, okay, I'll, I'll be facetious here. I'm trying to be reductive instead. Sorry. <laughs> so, why comes back? He says that he wants to be the real Bray Wyatt. He doesn't want to do bad things anymore. And then Uncle Howdy goes, mm, I think you'll find you do. Uh, you just need to give in. You need to give in. And then Wyatt says something to the effect of, I go, I follow the circle or something like that. And then he says, I'm not Uncle Howdy. I'm not Uncle Howdy. He, I'm not Uncle Howdy to LA Knight. And then it was revealed that he's not Uncle Howdy because there is an actual physical representation of Uncle Howdy. And that's the twist. And then a week after that, Uncle Howdy lays him out. Mm-hmm. And now he's saying, I am Uncle Howdy, right? And it's all about who's in control here. And has Uncle Howdy defeated him? His inner demons have now, because we saw it in the ring, that he's defeated him and now he's been defeated by, and he succumbed to his demons and now he's going to be a bad man at and the pitch black match, and he's going to be evil. And sucks for you, LA Knight, but I am him. I am the eater of worlds, and you're going to get the monster again. So Uncle Howdy just bloody showing him a bit of tough love. <laughs> is that what it is? I'm is that what this is? I don't know. I just was baffled with him. He's like, I'm the eater of worlds. I am Uncle Howdy. I'm like, what version is this that we're getting? Because the problem has always been... That like, it's nonsense. Well, yeah, exactly. You, uh, you've got magical powers, except when you don't. You... Yeah, you're just this uh, unkillable monster, except when you get beaten in seven minutes at WrestleMania or whatever. Right, you, you've gone, you've come in as for another time now and gone, right, this, I've got all this baggage, but this is a new version of me, but I've been haunted by this Uncle Howdy. 
And then he's just like, not on the Eater of Worlds, and it still does that. And I was like, well, so we've just gone back to the old version. I don't understand. Uh, some people online, when I went on Twitter, were like, is this a reset? Have they decided, mm. have they decided it's bollocks? And no one's getting what this is meant to be. And again, it's not a David Lynch film. It's not this incredibly layered, complex thing that perhaps even the author doesn't really have much intention over, and it's meant to affect you on this really unsettling, subconscious, scary level, and it's an in- it's up to you to interpret what the story is. It's not that deep, I don't think. It mm. isn't. There's a story being told here, and it's just getting in its own way. That's my interpretation of things, because say the timeline's correct, he comes back, Uncle Howdy, and it's all a little bollocks because he was never there, because the only reason why he's there now is to associate you from Sister Abigail, because you know deep down that version of Bray Wyatt was broken forever. So they've got a new big monster, a new guiding force. And then he said, okay, I'm not him. I'm not him. I'm not him. There's a different person to prove that I'm not him, and it's it's actually him. He's going to Sister Abigail me. And now, so I, if all that unfolds as it does, I think you're meant to take... I succumbed to his inner demons. That's a shame because he said at the start that he didn't want to be the monster anymore, <laughs> man. That's a shame. He succumbed to the demons, as we saw this really hokey, terrible road dog produced segment of television. Didn't at some point he say to LA Knight, Trust me, if it was me, you'd know about it. Mm. So do you need to succumb to your inner demons? Because you've just said that you're stronger, you're more evil than your inner demons, which are the evil. Th- it's a load of utter bollocks and in. Th- He's so mind-scrambled that he can't figure out what he's doing with this, and and he never has been able to. And I think the problem as well is, disregarding the whole Vince thing, right? Even if Vince wasn't a part of this. I'd love it if all of this booted off after Pitch Black. I want it to be a disaster under somebody else's penmanship so that people would know that it doesn't matter why it's the problem. I think the thing is, and I'm not going to try and compare it to, like you say, David Lynch or whatever, but, like, you watch a soap opera, EastEnders here in the UK, for example, and they do a storyline that's like, who shot Phil? When they shoot that, they know who in story they're going to go with. It's going to be so-and-so. They don't go, who shot Phil? Show that episode and then go, it's a general consensus, what we're saying. You reckon it's going to be Gary from the, the uh, oh, mechanics? mechanics? Yeah. Oh, right. Well, right, right around it being him. Oh, ah, second week, people don't seem to be that keen on it being Gary. Right, um... Uh, what about Steve from the coffee shop? Let's make it to be him. That's the problem. Is every week they go, how do you, how's that being received? Not every week, but every few weeks it seems like they, they, they haven't come in and gone, boom, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Mountain Dew pitch black match. No way when he returned to Survivor Series yeah. were they there with yeah. the Mountain Dew guys in the back high-fiving yeah. and what have you. So I think that's part of the issue. But uh, I'll, I'll let it play out. But I'm... Um, Nervously, I'm nervously excited, actually. I'm perverse. I'm thrilled at the prospect of this. I just really hope that whatever Vince wants to do happens after because what happens under, air quotes, Triple H, it's going to be an abomination, this pitch black match. I just want to see it unfold under Triple H's auspices before it's revealed. Oh, Vince has got creative. Just so people know it's going to be like this, whomever is in charge. Um, I... Don't know a single. Per- I've never read a single coherent take that makes me realize. Okay, even if I think this is all hokey bollocks, I get what they are doing yeah. with it. I just no one knows, and everyone just seems to be lying to themselves. Then again, just to uh, bring some positivity to this, Bray Wyatt has done well. His best thing ever was the Firefly Funhouse. Yes, match. I thought that was genuinely good. What odds would you give me on the Mountain Dew pitch black match being actually a surprising success right now? I'd put a good bruise bet on it and say it will be terrible. I know, I'm not going to risk that. But. I'd say that's a hard thing to do a coffee bet on because I could just say it was terrible. But you know, in the past, you know, the Firefly Funhouse thing was good. Yeah. If it was this thing that was undeniably over, like if like his return, I thought was this weird, terribly produced thing where all of the supporting cast of Puppets come to life looked so ridiculous that I couldn't begin to take it seriously. I was just in disbelief that people were into it. So I knew they were into it, but you still wouldn't take this bet because you know it's going to be terrible. I don't have... I'm not... I'm, Road Dog's going to produce it. All I'm saying is, is I'm glad I'm going to be paid to watch this live. Oh God, I'd, I'd pay money to watch it fail. I don't want this guy's career to fail. I don't, necessarily. But I want it... 
to proceed as it would under Triple H if this Vince thing didn't happen. I've had both, by the way, when I've been doing a stream. This was peak pandemic time, so it makes me a very dark place for me. But I've sat there and watched the Firefly Funhouse match and gone, what is this masterpiece? How has this come together all of a sudden? But I'm also fairly certain I was on the live stream when we had the Edge versus Randy Orton epic at WrestleMania going, Jesus Christ. What do you reckon, guys? It's going on a little bit too long. Anyway. Hey, Kayla! She's backstage with Kevin Owens, tries to interrupt him, but Sami Zayn comes in. Uh, He's pissed off at putting putting him in this position. He says, why have you come and interfered in all this? And Owens is like, I didn't want to. Okay, I was over on Raw, and they kept coming over here. They kept getting involved in my... Um... I didn't want the tag match. I don't want the match tonight. Roman's got you involved in this. He's done that. He's the one that wants all this. And Zane's like, look, stop saying that they, like, this is obviously going to be uh, important down the line. Sami Zayn saying, look, you're getting it all wrong. Why are you saying that the bloodline don't trust me? Kevin Owens obviously going to be proved right in the long term. But right now, Sami Zayn's like, look, I'm good. I'm in the bloodline and you can't stand it. I'm going to take care of you tonight. Um, not that we need to be sold on a Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn match ever. No, don't need to be sold on it, but it was, uh, again, a nice bit of background work yeah. character-wise. Maybe you could call it exposition. <laughs> Maybe I'm a dick to point that out, but regardless. Uh, and Kayla then also is in the back with Gunther. Uh, Ludwig Kaiser talks about how important momentum is, and uh, Giovanni Vinci uh, says that he's Gunther, his Gunther's proved what he needs to be a real champion. And Gunther, who's icing himself, says, look, I've taken on my biggest challenge uh, for the love of this great sport and for the title. It's now time to go on and enter myself in the Royal Rumble uh, and put the ring general uh, where he belongs in the main event of WrestleMania. Great! Great. Great, he'll get a monster run as well. I'm really intrigued as to what he's going to be doing. I've said this on our... Eliminate Brock Lesnar, that's what he needs to do. (sighs) Just a chop battle with, like, just chopping Brock. Brock Um, being like... Because he's got got the best skin for it as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Other than Danielson, of course. We uh, talked about this. I wish we could watch Gunther Danielson. We talked about this when we uh, did your uh, list, which is available at whatculture.com forward slash WWE right now, of predicting the 30 men's Royal Rumble entrance. I said, like, just get some pipsqueak in there who can literally be chopped so hard he goes over the top rope. Yes. I mean, I don't know how he's going to land. Not my problem, though, no. is it? <laughs> anyway, uh, Raquel Rodriguez versus Liv Morgan. Uh, right. I'm going to talk about how they sandbag Liv before they even said to her, why don't you try and get a table out mid-match in a match that's not table-related? <laughs> the bit on commentary where they said, Liv Morgan entering herself, of course, into the Royal Rumble. I think they said to them in a one spot. I'm not 100% certain. And then they went, well, let's look at her Royal Rumble track record. She's got the record elimination in eight seconds. But she's also been in there for 40 minutes. So I took from that, well... We're going to get one of two versions of Liv Morgan in the Royal Rumble match, yeah. and neither of them are going to win it. So I thought that was dumb to mention all that on commentary. <sighs> Honestly, they're useless. Um, but this is part of, and we saw this on oh on SmackDown the other week um, with Kofi and Santos. Sometimes they just use matches because we always say this, you know, when they read out their Wikipedia page or they say things like, my brother Jimmy Uso, they are playing to the lowest common denominator. So... If you're one of the three people in the wrestling world who don't understand how a Royal Rumble works yeah. by now and aren't going to be asked to they just think you are so thick. Google it, they will literally play it out in front of you where in a normal match where this is no benefit to you whatsoever, they will utilize being in control of the match to showcase that you can throw someone over the top rope. And say, oh, if this happens at the, d- the, the, then they won't be in the thing anymore. Right. Um, Rodriguez controlled early on. Um, as I said, Chuck Liv Morgan outside and then says, oh, get back in because you'd have been out in the Royal Rumble, but you're not in a normal wrestling match. And then Liv Morgan fought back and did the same thing. Um, Morgan headbutted the turnbuckle because she's, she's crazy. She's crazy. Um she is different crazy. They fought around ringside. Morgan sent Rodriguez into the ring steps. And he thought, oh, yeah, there you go. There's the extreme side of Liv Morgan. Um, and then she started getting a table out from under the ring. And I thought, right, what's going on here? There was a bit of me that got excited because there was, there was the Liv Morgan that 
I think it was just before, that then again she was heading into an Extreme Rules match, so I think that was slightly more understandable, where she just went bonkers and put, I think, Lacey Evans through a table with this huge scent on. But no, she got the table out, set it up, Raquel Rodriguez effectively turned heel in the eyes of the fans by just rolling off the table and not giving them this table spot. So then... Rodriguez slides back in the ring. Morgan's like, well, I'm on the top rope, so I might as well go for something. I did like the fact Rodriguez just swatted her away. Picked her up. Tejana bomb. One, two, three. Good. Like Raquel Rodriguez. But it just, it made Liv Morgan look so stupid, this. I've got absolutely no idea since the Ronda feud and during the Ronda feud what they are thinking with Liv Morgan. (laughs) It genuinely infuriates me. I don't even hold the talent behind the character in that much high esteem. I think she's good, and I think she could be better if she was booked. I say I don't really have this huge sentimental attachment to Liv Morgan where I'm like, for God's sake, stop getting Liv Morgan wrong. I'm so baffled by what they are thinking. Is this the longest chest dating heel turn of all time? This set of fans could not be any plainer in their assessment of we think the way this character is booked is like a heel, an entitled, smarmy brat of a heel, and it's a face, and that, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's horrible, and nowhere near enough people are pointing it out. For God's sake, have a backbone when you're in this game, because who wants to listen to people go, oh, you know, they've watched her a bit. Like, it's just worse than that. I don't think she's going to be champion in 2023. No, God, no. God, like, knee chance. It's just never gonna, it just feels like it's never gonna click. Like, even before the Ronda thing, like, I found her a little bit grating in terms of her body language and her smarmy face and the way she would clap back at people. Like, I just, she's like the worst people on Instagram. And yet they think because, oh, young people like those kinds of people on Instagram, that must be a baby face. No, absolutely not. She cashes in against an injured Ronda. Yeah. The, the last baby face thing you'll ever do. She flukes past her at SummerSlam. Yeah. She loses comprehensively to her after the fact. She smiles with that just smug, smarmy heel expression when she's passed out. Oh, I'm enjoying this, really. Are you? You're watching your career flounder. I don't know why you're that happy about it. Then she does this extreme thing where she's breaking the rules and looking like a moron by attempting these things in normally sanctioned matches with, like, actual rules that you should... Obey, and in fact, is a baby face holding a bit of reverence, actually. And oh my god, she's got that smarmy expression. She's an idiot. The character, the character, these are fictional characters. Mm. She's an idiot. She's smarmy. She thinks the rules don't apply to her. If they think this is anti hero stuff, like she's in Heisenberg, <laughs> it's an absolute moronic idea. And I've got no idea what they think they're doing. It's like Bray Wyatt with no supernatural stuff. I don't even know what you're actually trying to do at this point. It's so inscrutably stupid. The best I can come up with is they didn't have anything for her to do. They were like, right, this title title is done. Let's just put it back on Ronda and figure something out. And then they were like, right, well, we kind of want to protect her. So let's say, actually, she likes the pain. Uh, of that all of a sudden. And it works so just, well for J.D. McDonough. They, and they just sort of ran with that for a bit. I think now they're going to say, because whatever's going on with Nikki Cross, I don't know, she's going to be the bonkers one in this year's Rumble, which means, working that out, I think she's just going to do the Mick Foley, I'm going to eliminate you and me at the same time spot. And then they'll go, see, it was, it was worth it. That's my only guess. That's my... Very much like uh, WWE uh, brains. I've got thing. no clue what they are trying to do. Absolutely none. Ostensibly, though, wrestler in normally sanctioned match trying to get the tables. I'd say a WWE fan or wrestling fan dream come true. Mm. Inanimate objects are more over than 95% of people in that promotion, WWE, right now. I don't know what they're doing. I've got no idea. Do you know what my favorite bit was? And I realize probably physically it might be slightly more impossible because she's got to go up off the top rope and do that. The idea of her setting up a table right next to a table. There's a commentator's table, and, uh, right? Uh, I know uh, that it's probably quite far to scent on. I'm not going to... If anything, though, if anything, and we'll warn 
the idea is that it's not a table. The, the announce table isn't a foreign object. Yes, exactly. And you can get away with using it because it's just there. It's just there. And you can get away with the fact that, oh, my opponent found themselves on the table. If I smash through it, it's not really an illegal object, a foreign object that I've you know retrieved from my trunks or from under the ring. It's fine, I guess, within the letter of the law. So just do that. Mm. Anyway, uh, they recapped Charlotte Flair and Sonya Deville from last week, the title match, and then Sonya Deville was like, can I have a rematch? And both of them was like, no, you lost. And she's like, well, that's not fair, because, you know, Charlotte Flair came in and won a, t- won a title straight away, and he's like, yeah, you've got the exact same conditions, except stupid you well. lost. This is absolutely so just enter the Royal stupid. Rumble, and she went, one way or another, I'm going to get that rematch. A few seconds later... She's brawling backstage with uh, Charlotte Flair. It was a fun little brawl, I it was suppose. Terrible. They uh, terribly worked brawl. Sp- splitting apart, coming back together. Officials get involved. People jumping over flight cases. People getting chucked all over the place. And uh, uh, what are they like, eh? Incompetent officials. They weren't separated. The one where she jumped over the boxes. There was a former WCPW official involved in this, by the way. Who's that? I knew you can ask me his name, and I've completely forgotten it. I'm going to Google it in a second. But it was the one who was like, come on, leave it. And then <laughs> Deville comes flying back in. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I love Sonya Deville. Their, their creative is wretched. But I don't know Utterly wretched. I don't know what they're doing here. Like, Sonya Deville, with the surprise, you know, the, the element of surprise, I should say, lost clean to Charlotte Flair. So what's... Why do I need to see a rematch of this? That's the thing. She's not really a... She's not a clever heel so much as the officials are idiotic for allowing her away back in. It's not like a master plan, is it? No. Everyone's stupid and everything's stupid in this company. The exception, maybe, of the main event, which I'm going to be very kind to, actually. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to have to come back on that referee thing. He was on that uh, David Arquette documentary, though. I'll tell you that before. Yeah. <laughs> for free. I was going to pay for that information. Yeah. What do you want to hear? Um, <laughs> Cody Rhodes vignette that we saw on Raw. We'll get another one of them tonight. Uh, hopefully setting up a Royal Rumble appearance. But anyway, yeah. main event time. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. Uh, I just love these two in a ring together. It's a cheat code, uh, but it's a very enjoyable one at that. Uh, Zayn actually dominated early on. Dive out to ringside, uh, but then Owens fights back and hits him against the barricade, and they just... They're best mates, so they're stiff as oat to each other here. Um, Zayn takes over via a brain buster on the apron as they cut to a break. When we come back, Zayn's still in control. Goes for a superplex, but Owens fights back. Knocks Zayn down. Hit a frog splash. That gets him a near fall. Goes for the pop-up powerbomb. Zayn avoids it. Hits a blue thunderbomb. Works so much better when he's a heel. I know he's not really a heel, but he's a heel right now. The blue thunderbomb pin is so much better. I'm going to win. No, yeah. you're not. We all know you're not, but okay. Um, they trade punches. Uh, Zayn hits a half Nelson suplex, but Owens immediately pops back up and destroys Zayn with a, a clothesline. Um, back from another break, Owens goes up top for a swanton bomb, but Zayn gets his knees up. They fight on the top rope. Zayn goes for another superplex, but Owens hits that brilliant fisherman buster that he often does for a two count. Um, and then they ran back another spot with a lovely development because these two are sensational wrestlers. Uh, Zayn hits that half Nelson suplex. Owens pops up, but Zayn this time avoids the clothesline and hits another suplex, and he's got the match potentially in the bag. Owens doesn't know where he is. He's stumbling all over. Zayn's in the opposite corner. He's going to hit him with the halluva kick, but then in runs the Usos to the shock and dismay of not just the fans, but Sami Zayn, the Usos and Solo Sokoa run in, attack Kevin Owens, start beating the crap out of him. And Zayn's pissed. He's like, what are you doing? In the midst of all this, by the way, they've hit Owens with the 1D uh, and chucked him out to ringside. But Zayn's like, I had this, guys. What the hell? And they're like, no, you did a good job, mate. Well done, Bloodline. You know, throw up the ones, etc. cetera. Um, Sokoa hits this amazing, he's the best booked, NXT call-up ever. It's this amazing running splash where he runs from the barricade, puts him through the commentary table. That's why Liv Morgan couldn't use it. Um, and uh, they stand over him and they pose. Zane's a bit uneasy with all this. I For a DQ finish to the main event of SmackDown, I was okay with this because I could see the bigger picture here and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I... 99.99% of the time 
hate disqualifications. This would have been such a perfect disqualification finish if we were just at the cusp of the full-blown Sami Zayn babyface turn. Mo- the Montreal pay-per-view is like weeks away. Mm. That uh, This would have been an oxymoron. This would have been a perfect disqualification. My issue is that Kevin Owens was visually not beaten. They didn't do a visual pinfall. He visually looked like he's on the verge of losing, and he's the guy who's yeah. at Royal Rumble. If they had done this the week after Royal Rumble, where you know Kevin Owens is out of the picture as someone you meant to take seriously as someone who could potentially dethrone the UWU, easy for me to say, I would have had so much more time for it. A slight flaw in the plan of it was already never going to happen that Owens is going to win that universal title ever, and now it's even less likely. But this is the sort of finish and the sort of storytelling that will make the Montreal match matter Mm. a lot when realistically you've got enough at the Rumble. It would be nice if everything at the Rumble was like cool and unpredictable and dramatic, but whatever. The actual match itself, again, this was such a flawed, imperfectly flawed DQ finish that was almost amazing. Maybe the timing was just a bit wrong. I love their in-ring chemistry hot take. They can really go together. (laughs) They've been doing it for years, but they very gradually and subtly kind of changed it. There's a lack of kind of fire. It feels pissy. It feels like it's full of loathing and resentment, like they're tired of each other bringing the fight. It's like, how have you not given up yet? Mm. Give up. Stop it. Okay, you're not going to do it. Well, I won't either. It feels like they hate each other in a very naturalistic way that I can kind of empathize with. Mm. Like they're absolutely truly sick of each other and yet it never verges on apathy. It never feels like they can't be arsed. I know there's just something about the way they wrestle that's completely distinct to each other that there's just this resentment, this disdain and that shouldn't necessarily be this really absorbing story beat and this sort of theme in their latter matches they have with each other. It just works for me. Yeah, Like when Sami Zayn is about to hit the exploder, and he does it for the second time, but Owens is like, no, I know, I know my neck's hurting. I'm not having it. You are not beating me. They just, I just, There's something really nice and organic and distinct to themselves about the way they wrestle. And again, I had no qualms with the finish. It was just the timing of it. Yeah. It was poor. If this was, if someone else was working Roman, and it was the idea was, okay, I don't want to test you here. How much are you willing to put your mate away? And the idea, the wider story is, don't believe in yourself too much. You're not this new babyface hope. Your job is to help Roman win. You can't the greater good. Yeah, you can't get closer to him in storylines as a potential challenger. So we're gonna DQ you so you don't get the chance. Like, I like that. Just not a Kevin Owens as expense. Yeah, I get what you're coming. So from. close to the Rumble. I got very excited as well when they spilled to the outside because I think on maybe this week's preview, maybe the other weeks, uh, I've suggested that they'd set up and have Sami Zayn triple powerbomb Kevin, or at least be teased and he'd be like do you want to do this yeah i know he's not your mate anymore apron yeah against the apron yeah exactly um but i i I really enjoyed this because like you say it's just another chapter is i'm basically big brain in this yeah for the like you say the elimination chamber and the wrestlemania uh fingers crossed Uh, about the rumble yeah yeah. uh but yeah i'm just picturing the the three minute limp biscuit uh uh, set up yeah, promo yeah, yeah. video and yeah hoy this in there and yeah Rome is watching this and going he picks as much as like you say Sami Zayn doesn't notice when it's uh, Paul Heyman pulling a face backstage Roman does yeah, yeah, yeah Roman will have at least maybe not watched it himself he's busy with his knob out on the island of Re- relevancy of course but Paul Heyman will have uh you know, you know, heard about this when he was away? He talked about getting his knob out on his island. What? Yeah, that was a while back. I'll, I'll, don't worry, I'll show you. I must, have, the, I must have forgotten that yeah. episode. <laughs> um, but Paul Heyman will be like, my tribal chief. I noticed for a split second where Sami Zayn didn't seem ecstatic to be a part of the bloodline. Maybe bring that up with him in the coming weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's my favorite storyline in wrestling, so I'm obviously going to see the, the, the best of this, which speaks volumes when it's a DQ finish in the main event of SmackDown. Yes. But... As Rome would say, this is for the greater good. And, you know, I love my tribal chief, so. Uh, oh, God, what a simp. Chris Sharp was the name of the referee. Uh, Chris Sharp. Lovely, lovely bloke. Um, 
genuinely great, great referee, just had to stand there and go, leave it, eh? And then they just got back into it. Uh, who also briefly, I think, had his name, according to this, changed to Chip Danning. By WWE. Jesus Christ, are you joking? I think he's back to Chris Sharp now, thankfully. That sounds, that's parody. Chip Danning. Here's Chip Danning, the referee. <laughs> it sounds like a character we create on NXT, yes. yeah, doesn't it? But thankfully, Chris Sharp is the guy, and uh, much love to him, an absolutely lovely Chip, player. and he's British. I think he's American. Oh, is he? He was, he was, he was over here. Sharp is a bit of a UK yeah. surname. Yeah, like Lee Sharp. Lee Sharp and Sharp. Yeah, the, the, the Manchester United sponsor. Yeah, and Sean Bean. Oh, yeah, of course. What are we doing? Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, let us know your thoughts on SmackDown. For sure. Chip Danning. Jesus Christ. Uh, anyway, let us know your thoughts on SmackDown on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, for daily wrestling podcasts, me and Sid will be back later uh, to review Rampage and to preview Monday Night Raw. But for now, this has been the SmackDown Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.